The internet. Being a 21-year-old, I have never lived in a world without it. Is it a right? Is it not a right? Is it something that has reached the point where living without it is to deprive yourself of a key part of universal and national culture? I'm slitting my wrist if I can't get broadband. (laughs) Uh, You would be a part of the 33%-ish amount of Americans that can't possibly get broadband, which is something we can talk about later. It's actually kind of crazy. start off, just going around, is internet a right? Um, at this point, I believe it is. Okay. I think that at this point, if you're not able to at least have a place to access the internet, you're way behind a lot of other people. Okay. Yeah, I, I want to frame it like similar to what Kaysen said as... Access to information is a right, and the easiest access to information is the internet right now. Obviously, that was a joke that I was saying. Oh, yeah. Um, referring, actually, to exactly what you're, you were mentioned. Um, but, yeah, I think the more the more it goes on, definitely it's a right. It seems to improve a lot, even though it comes with its hindrances. And we have a guest this episode, so if you want to introduce yourself. So, I'm uh, Philip. Uh Monroe, and uh, uh, I work for a major uh, internet and cable company. Awesome. Is the internet a right? Well, well, is access to the internet a right? I guess I should say, since we kind of all agree on that. Uh, I believe it definitely is, especially with uh, schools requiring uh, research being done on the internet, and we're so heavily... Uh, reliant on it as a society, um, I believe it's uh, you know basic right to have internet for everyone. Yeah. Uh, one thing to bring up about the the weird state we are in in this country anyway is there are parts of the rural parts of the country that don't have broadband internet, and people like think of that as like really fast internet, but it's really not. The best way to think about it is. Broadband internet is internet that's fast enough so that you can watch a YouTube video or quickly do research without having to wait for a bunch of pages to load. Um, and you think that doesn't really matter, but the longer a page takes to, lo- to load, the longer it takes for you to actually access that information. And there are some parts of the country that they're still uh, using dial-up services or trying to use satellites to get information that's, or to, to, to get speeds that are comparable to dial up, and it's not been very effective for whatever reason. But the technology is not there to just like satellite in uh, Wi-Fi. Which, if anybody thinks that's weird, if you've ever accessed Wi-Fi on a plane, it's using satellite. So if you were ever wondering how they get it on an airplane, it's because of that. But I think that it's um, also there's parts of this country that don't have any internet. Um, I have a, a one of my coworkers actually is in the reserves. There's parts of the country that don't have clean water. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> um, well, but there's, there's a lot of parts of the country that don't have clean water. But there is a um, 
he go. He, my coworker uh, is in the military. He goes. He's in the reserves. He goes to these parts of the country. And what they do is they go and see, he's in a medical unit. So they go to these parts of the country that don't have access to basic services, and then they um, essentially just set up clinics and perform services for underserved people. Like they do, like you know, um, like like vaccinations and they do like um like dental services and stuff like that and you know that's what part of people in the reserves are. i had no idea until i had a conversation with him recently but he's like you'll you won't believe you go to these areas and people just show up and you're like how how do you exist you know out here you don't have anything you know people just show up to their clinic with like no shoes and stuff like that and this is america you know so it was kind of interesting to me that like they're not even concerned with internet because they don't have you know other oh, yeah. basics, one one room schoolhouses, and yeah. you know they don't they don't they're not worried about internet because they they're trying to figure out food. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I guess that's uh, a caveat, if you will. Um, internet seems to be a right in an advanced enough part of the world, but if we are to think of it as a right, does that mean that it should be a universal right? As in like. In some level, some capacity, it should be provided for everyone, including other nations. I don't know how you go about doing that, or if it's like a world project. Well, maybe that's a little lofty. I mean, really, right now, when it comes to internet access, our biggest hurdle is infrastructure, and that's it. Like, the technology to implement it has been there since broadband has existed. Um, Ever since we started laying the lines for phone lines and back when they were still using dial-up, that was the easiest solution they had because all those lines, the physical lines, already existed. Almost everybody was connected to the phone line in one capacity or other and had been connected to the phone lines for 70 years. Um, At least that's, from what I've read, that's part of why dial-up was used at first because it was, the technology was already there. Like, broadband's existed for a while. Like, the government had broadband in the 90s. It was mostly in, like, places like the White House and uh, I think the Pentagon had it. Uh, It was mostly, like, a government thing because the cost for a private company at the time to dig up all of that earth, lay down the lines, and then get it to people's houses and charge a rate that wasn't completely ridiculous was really difficult. So, Philip, could you, do you know, uh, I'm not exactly sure what you do for your major cable and internet provider. Do you know the, is is broadband and satellite internet the same thing? Well, broadband is a speed. Ah. Yeah, the, the difference between, like, satellite internet and cable internet is just how it's delivered to the home, whereas a satellite's going to receive satellite feed off of a dish and then it gets converted uh, converted over to a usable signal in the house with your modem and it just comes through coax um, fibers another option uh, and, like he said it's very expensive okay yeah laying down that infrastructure and I think that's and coax would um, deliver cable internet as well right uh, I'm pretty sure that's how they get to most modems. Yeah, yeah right? most modems. That's a, yeah, my, um, so my dad, when the very brief amount of time I lived with him growing up, uh, he worked for Roadrunner, which was bought out by Time Warner, like, right towards the end of me living with him, and yeah, that was 98, 99, and I remember we had cable internet, um, 
I thought we called it satellite, but it must have been cable internet because he worked for a cable company. Not mm. sure on the details there. But I remember thinking, holy crap, my internet is so much faster than any internet I've ever seen. Yeah. And it being a big deal in 99, um, yeah. it was when we moved, when I moved out of that house with my dad and moved back in with my aunts that I grew up most of my life with, went back to dial up um, and had that for years um, until that. And I, I missed it. It was uh, once you experience a fast internet, even one step down, feels yeah well uh, one thing that was interesting about that from like in an american standpoint uh a lot of people were curious when they heard a couple of years ago was it 2013 or 14 when google fiber announced that they were going to be doing their stuff and then they actually did it in like a couple cities well when it first was announced there was like this i mean i guess you could call it a conspiracy and it was they're not actually going to do it they just want other people to do it, and then eventually they'll do it. Which is actually, what? yeah. Well, here's the thing: they're partially right about that. So when Google Fiber was announced as we're going to be lab- like putting in the labor to put down fiber op- optic cable and having the fastest internet in the world, we're going to do this in these major cities. It's going to cost this much when it finally gets to your city. Here's the release date. It should be done there. They did it in, I want to say, they started in L.A. but never finished, and it's essentially only really available in Austin. I, I believe it was Yeah, just I'm pretty sure it's just Austin, Texas, where it is. Um, Austin gets everything. Well, Austin's actually pretty awesome. Uh, one of the biggest internet companies I can think of are companies that come from just the internet existing, Rooster Teeth, founded in Austin, Texas. Like, they get so much. It's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. But... They were right because once Google Fiber actually broke ground in Austin and was labor, labor, laboring and putting in the work for fiber optics, immediately Time Warner and the other one, Big AT&T, I can't remember. Uh, Comcast? It, yeah, Comcast. That's number Sorry, there's one, like all these different companies that are trying to buy cable companies and trying to merge and all this. But uh, yeah, Comcast and Time Warner both announced that in every major city that they were in, they were going to push for fiber optics. I have fiber optics, and I feel like it's not that fast. Well, here's the thing. Like, I'm, I, I'm asked you a question, um, uh, PJ, uh, is that one thing I always thought was interesting was that they would talk about, like, Verizon and a lot of these companies talk about, like, oh, we have fiber, and then it's like you have fiber line like down this down your street and then you have coax running to your cable box so I'm just like I, I was always under the impression that if it's fiber to fiber you're not getting fiber speeds you're getting coax speeds and that's called like the backbone of the network and most major companies they like level 3 that's a huge provider of the backbone of the internet and they have fiber laid and it is coax and that does bottleneck your signal and that's where I believe it's Fios offers the fiber to the home and the major difference there is your upload speeds you get 100 megabits down you get 100 up so whereas like uh, your most cable companies you get 100 down you might get like 10 or 20 up and which most people don't use upload but for the people that do need it I mean makes a big difference what would you use upload speed for primarily uh, if you do like heavy HD streaming, mostly it's going to be businesses that are going to be like uploading large files onto like a server. 
so they have like massive gigs or terabytes that they need to load onto a remote location. And it okay. also be like live streaming well, too. Well, it could be like for us one. when we do the podcast and then we need to upload it to um, to SoundCloud. Yeah, we should do it at my house. It takes forever. Well, come over my house and do it. I got the <laughs> one files. Of my, one of my favorite quotes from uh, Jeff Ramsey's who works for Rooster Teeth is that is. 10% of my job is dicking around, 15% of my job is recording, and everything else is sitting sitting around with my finger up my ass waiting for the goddamn video to upload. <laughs> and it's like, uh, to quote, I, I know so much about Rooster Teeth, I've been following them for so many uh, years. What, what is Rooster Teeth? I've never uh, heard of this. Um, okay, so in the earlier 2000s, there was this group of guys who really loved Halo and had this idea of making a TV show like... With Halo, oh, uh, they, they make Red versus Blue. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, I've seen Red versus Blue. So they made Red versus Blue, and they were uploading video <laughs> on the <laughs> internet <laughs> in a pre-YouTube world, which yeah, people yeah. people forget about. Like like Red versus Blue came out in two thousand three. Where was that shared? I remember watching it when it came out. Yeah, I watched it all the time. I didn't know. Yeah. I don't remember. Uh, it became like a big thing because it was. I mean. So you've Sun. heard of the term web series, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. Bernie, the guy who made Rooster Teeth, he made that up during one interview because they needed a name for something. And they're just like, oh, so uh, what will we classify you guys as? And he was just like looking in a boardroom, sitting around with all his friends, and just said, web series? It's like it's like a series, but on the web, I guess. And then yeah. that just stuck forever. And what, where was it hosted, though, online? Um, uh, on on Rooster... I, I think it, at the beginning, it was roosterteeth.com. Um, hmm. And they, weirdly enough, they... They had to figure out how the fuck do we put these online, which is why the uh, the newer videos are like 15, 16 minutes long. The first season, which consists of like 30 episodes, is an hour and a half because every episode is two right, to three right, minutes. Right. They I could remember only, that. There's only so much space they had. On YouTube, I think it's like the first season is one video. It's like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, which is like mind-blowing to think about. But right. They needed to do something and... They had to buy a like corporate internet just to have a website that would that wouldn't crash every single time somebody now, tried to watch it. And now that's just a, that's your just a average standard American feature. can yeah. can very easily upload videos all day long. Yeah. Um, but that was something they had to deal with in the beginning of the internet was like that kind of upload speed because and just you know having a server that could host that much information and not have to deal with it um there's also a famous case of like the first big internet cafe the at cafe um which was in new york and uh there's been a couple of interviews with the guy uh some from that time and some now and it's crazy to think about because one of the biggest features was they essentially had internet that you could only get at like the pentagon and the White House, and then also at the At Cafe. Or if you were literally at IBM headquarters, you could probably get that kind of fast speed. So I think one megabyte. Who has the fastest internet right now? I think technically it's Google. I think their fiber optic network is technically the fastest. Cause it's like, a, isn't it like a, they claim it's like a terabit or some shit. It, it's crazy fast. I don't know the exact yeah, specifics, it, but it is. It's yeah. the highest I've ever heard claimed, and I don't, it's I haven't heard cheap too. It's well, insane. but that's the thing because it was a marketing ploy. Because gotcha. when you think about it, Google owns YouTube. Google owns the most popular emailing client. Google owns the most used search engine. 
And when you're talking about a product on the internet, the faster you can use it, you usually think of, oh, this website's slow. And no, not, true, very true. And not the, my internet is slow. slow. And that's one of the things you deal with when the internet's with broken. People. Yeah, and that's one of when you're dealing with like IT issues. And like I've become, I, I'm not an IT expert or anything like that. I've become the the IT guy for like my family. Yeah. So like, oh, this is where, are you on the internet right now? It's not the program. It's the internet. Yeah. But, <laughs> but that weird perspective of like, oh, it must be this. Because like, when your phone is acting up, you always blame your phone. You never blame the connection, the, the or, connection or, or anything. Or it's always else. like, oh, this phone sucks. Like I've seen people on like get the exact same phone in the exact same month and bitch about connectivity and they're on the same fucking provider. Like it's just sometimes the cell tower. But yeah, Google tried to push it because if Comcast is keeping their upload and download speeds the same and they just have shitty <clears throat> shitty internet, half the country is going to open up Google and think Google's slow. And the other half might be totally fine, but when your product is dependent on the speed of somebody else's product, it, it gets kind of finicky. So yeah, they kind of pushed everyone to go forward. So what, uh, what do you think it would take to put everyone with a decent high-speed internet in America, like, to lay the infrastructure for, let's say, fiber optics. Um, well, we don't even need to do that. Like, honestly, like, if we were trying to go fiber optics, that's going to be... that. That's going to be... I mean, I'm just going to throw a number out there and just exaggerate, but that's going to be, like, at least half a U.S. military budget. Like, it's a lot that's of money. That's huge. Because, well, I mean, you have to... That's tearing up, like... 15% of the land of the country and laying down wires and metal that's <clears throat> billions upon billions of dollars the cost of labor what would the, be the better option just doing broadband broadband okay because so because like with like broadband connection you can get just with cable and coax okay and like, okay and the majority of the country has that not really no well, I mean I guess technically a majority does but it's not as big of a majority as you think like you think of America being like Oh, we're such a first world country and we're always ahead of all other countries, but I like the lowest cable package I can get in South Korea has oh, yeah. internet faster than the highest I can get with Google. Like I could move to Austin, Texas, get the biggest package that Google Fiber gets, and I could get the same for twenty dollars a month over in South Korea. Well that's fucked. How do they do that? Uh, they, I mean, one, their country is smaller. I'll, True, and, okay. Like, their country is much smaller, so the the effort to update their network is much smaller, but they also have, like, and a lot of... they steal all the wealth from the north, right? That's why they, the north's poor? Uh, from Japan. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I get confused. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, North Korea steals from China and South Korea steals from Japan. <laughs> but uh, sometimes, sometimes Vietnam, but you, we can't prove that. Um, but, yeah, I mean... We have to fill three or four South Korean-sized holes in the country. And that's me being generous of, like, how much is missing. And weirdly enough, most of it is, like, in the middle of the country going into California. And it's just... And there's a few pockets in places you wouldn't think. Like, there are places in New York with where they have to send uh, vans with Wi-Fi to kids' houses. Because there's not strong enough speeds out in these rural parts of New York. Oh, yeah, there is. There, yeah, New York. I mean, New York, honestly, New York is huge. Yeah, um, that's what um, I was thinking. And you look at how the, the population breakdown is, and 
everyone is like at the bottom part of the city. You grew up in, um, in upper New York, right? Yeah. When I say upstate, I like I. I know, like, now, that when you say upstate, like, we were just, like, 45 minutes outside of the city, so we were not that far away. Like, you say Buffalo, that's upstate, you know, but... Well, no, that's Canada. <laughs> <laughs> it goes Canada, upstate, and then you have, like, Manhattan, and that's it. But, like, it, it, the thing is that, like, the difference, like, when you but get out of the city, there's nothing for a while, and then you get to, you know, like, Spring Valley and Rockland County and, like, all those areas. But most of the people are in... It's the city. And then it kind of spread out after that. And uh, this is probably a pretty specific question, but does anyone know, is South Korea kind of like that? Is it very heavily urban populated? Very No. I mean, Seoul is, and they have a couple of like really big urban, urbanized areas, but I mean, they're very similar to Japan in like their infrastructure. Well, in my understanding... Okay, wait, maybe not Japan. I know China's set up um, in the way that like... The cities are so densely populated that there's large areas of er, uh, rural areas or even, like, uninhabited areas, and they kind of do that on purpose. Um, uh, yeah, South Korea is too dense to do okay, that. Okay. They have their rural areas. They have their big cities. Like, they're, I can't really explain it. I don't know too much about them, but they're mostly connected by trains because of how small their country is, but their infrastructure is just so tightly packed together and part of that is also because they get assistance from the US government. I mean, they they have US soldiers positions to make sure that North Korea doesn't come and do bad things to them. Right. Like, right. So <coughs> excuse me. I remember uh watching this this is a few years ago probably um Michio Kaku video who's a theoretical physicist of science popularizer this Asian guy with long gray hair. He looks really cool. The physicist. Yeah. He talks oh, about string theory a lot. Yeah. And he did this video where he explained something like, so internet right now is like electricity in the early 1900s. Yeah. We think like, oh, we have internet. What we have now is a little toy. Like when scientists would go around and plug in a light bulb and be like, ha ha, I have made light. Look at it, it's so cool. And you can't do anything with it. Um, he kind of compared- You can kill an elephant. Right, well, yes. <laughs> if, yes, <laughs> if you're Edison, you can kill an elephant. Multiple um, elephants, actually. <laughs> and dogs. Um, well, no, we send those to space. Wait, no, that's the other people. Uh, uh, so, but yeah, he said that and then was like, so, when you go into a room nowadays, you just look for the light switch. You know it's there. There's light in a room, of course. And he said in 50 years or so, that's how he envisions internet to be. Whereas internet will just exist. Um, and maybe at that point, we'll recognize well, it as a right. Like, he was like, the internet will be everywhere. Every public space in the developed world will have internet just available it'll just part we'll of reality thinking, we'll start thinking about it in different ways like for example we think about like third world countries that don't have power we're like oh that's that's crazy like yeah how do they not have power and i feel you're i think that that's making me think that it's going to be more like that in the future like that's yeah internet? like what, well, what, what what kind of backwater kind of like place are you from to, to bring some historical precedent and i mean the only reason that most of america even has power i mean there's some small sections that don't but they're mostly just fucking wilderness like there might be some dude in a cabin like just unabomber 2.0 waiting to happen just in a fucking cabin but whatever um people like to bring up how the only reason we really have 
electricity and so many spots is because of the New Deal. Okay, yeah. I mean, like, that was, I believe, one of the top five parts of the New Deal was increasing infrastructure, including electricity, which is actually an interesting thing, because, like, in modern TVA? Uh, TVA. Uh, never mind. Maybe too specific. Tennessee Valley Authority. I remember we had to, when I went to high school in Tennessee, we had to learn about that. They, like, took a bunch of people's lands to make power grids. And yeah, it's like, yeah, no, yeah. That's, uh, that, that happened in pretty much every state. Yeah, so yeah. I didn't know what the abbreviation was. I heard TVA, and I'm like, well, TV was invented in the 30s. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, and that's like something that people are bringing up now is like, why don't we do another big like every politician for the past 10 years has been bringing up infrastructure and that sounds like a fancy big term and immediately people think of like bridges and they think of dams and they think of power plants and you know they think of these utilities that exist out there but people also forget that the internet is a part of that the government does have an initiative to bring broadband internet to I think they want to bring it up from what it is. I want to say right now it's at, like, I might get this wrong, but I think it's, like, 62% of the country has broad has access to broadband. And that would include, like, if you needed to take a bus to the to the library to get it, if you no. can't, like, get a provider for it. But that's that's access. Um, so why, why do we feel like it's a right? Um, I feel like from a, like... My argument comes from more of a cultural perspective than an actual necessity. Like, yeah, in the modern world, a lot of things rely on electricity. Like, we're realizing that with how many hurricanes have gone by, the people who have been without power and have medical needs that require there be electricity for their oxygen machines, for their keeping their insulin cool so it doesn't go bad if they're diabetic. A lot of these modern things rely on the... On, on an electrical grid in some capacity. Yeah. And we don't really think about that often, but yeah, electricity isn't just the ability to run your your internet and being able to run your lights in your house. It's also or your fridge. It's your Florida. air conditioning. It's There's so much, and it's the thing that charges your phone up so you can communicate with people. So much relies on electricity now that it is just an expected thing thing. Why, why do we think internet's a right, though? I think internet's right because of a cultural thing. Yeah, okay, okay. Point, I see what you're saying. I, like, I gotcha. At this point, the internet isn't reliant for you to use an oven. The internet isn't reliant on you to have a house over your head. The internet isn't, like, you're not reliant on the internet to have these things. But if Michio Kaku's vision comes true, do you think it would be? Because I, I kind of... I mean, Although I want the internet everywhere, I think that'd be great. I would, I'd be a little skeptical if I had to have the internet to cook my food. I would be very... I'm, I'm not sure I want to live in the world where everything is a smart device. I think right now it's a fad that's picking up because it's interesting and because it's connectivity and it's the ability. Like, There, there are some people, or I don't know which company did this, but I'm pretty sure there was a, a, a te- an, an appliance company that made... Uh, a fridge that would take a picture of the inside. I think it was like Samsung. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Take yeah, a picture of it and yeah. email it to you every so you time. Know. Yeah, you could just you just texted a number and it would take a picture of the inside of your fridge when you were at the supermarket and you could see everything you needed to buy. And that sounds like a great thing, but it's reliant on the internet. But it's not reliant to keep the fridge on. Right. You never have to touch that feature ever. Here is here's my 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 thoughts on that. 
when it gets to a certain point, it becomes about efficiency. It becomes about the ability to have some sort of control over something that you didn't used to have before. So for example, if I have an oven that's smart and I happen to forget that it's on or something like that, I can no one turn it off without. If I leave my oven on at home or leave my gas stove on at home, instead of having my house blow up, I can just turn it off with <laughs> well, my phone. The thing- and there's little things like that that I think that, like I have a couple smart devices in my home right now. I have um, uh, I have uh, uh, Amazon Echo and I have um, Echo Dot, two of them, and I also have uh, smart bulbs in um, my bedroom. So I have trouble getting up in the morning, so I set the bulbs to go off with my alarm. So yeah, the lights nice. go on in my room, and then the alarm goes off, and it wakes me up. And I, it's one of those things where like I'm so used to this now. And it's gotten to a point where it's not necessarily that I can't live without it, but it makes my life slightly better. And I think that it's going to get to a point where when we start finding more novel uses for the internet, which we, we're getting to more and more and more, like, think about um, like the cryptocurrency that we talked to Matt about um, on a couple episodes ago, and he was also talking about IOTA. Yeah. Imagine the amount of research that can well, be done. Here, here's using my thing with that, that technology. There's the difference between having the ability to use the internet to do something and, and require. Gotcha. It's one thing. Like there are like for a couple of years there, there were a couple of cars that had the ability for you to connect it through the internet using OnStar, and you could lock and unlock your car from theoretically. Anywhere you could access the internet, you could do that. I don't see that in commercials anymore, but it's still a feature that exists, but it's less of a selling feature now because more cars have it, and it's also not a necessity. Um, For me, it comes down to the cultural thing. For instance, it's, it's the same reason that I believe that books are a right. Books are a right, period. There is no exception to that. Nobody should be depraved of books. I don't care if you're in prison for killing somebody. I don't care. Well, I mean, if you're the president, go read a book. Um, <laughs> Please. If you're the president, read a book. Cat in the hat does count. I'll count it. I'm cool with it. It helps me out. Make me feel better. But I think... <laughs> I mean, when you think about it, libraries are everywhere. Even in other countries, even in third world, third world countries, they have makeshift libraries. It might just be a small little shack in the middle of the town that just has like 50 or 60 books, but there's books there. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's important because information is important. Whether it be nonfiction textbooks or fictional works, there's something to be learned. And when it comes to the internet... Information itself is a right. Yeah. And with the push towards things being digital, there's a lot more out there. Like there are, like for instance, me... I could take any of the poems I wrote and make a blog and just have them online and people could read them and enjoy them or hate them and I don't it doesn't matter to me and consume them without me needing to find a publishing company that wants to take me on and print them and try to sell them and I think that access even if it's just expanding it so that it's easier for people to go to the library and that libraries are updated to have the best internet to at least get to broadband speeds, I think that that's really, really important just because so much online could improve so many kids. If we, 
if we just set it up in a way that you just put kids on Khan Academy for one week, they were just allowed to watch whatever they wanted on Khan Academy, and then you just tested it on that, mm. they would probably find out what the fuck they want to do with their lives yeah. way more than sitting down with a guidance counselor for five minutes and saying, oh, well, you talked about art once, so uh, why is, like, go go do that? Oh, you said you like people. Go be a psychologist. Like, mm. instead of doing that, we could easily use the internet to help, whether it be kids, adults, me elderly with something. Coming from that prospect, like, you know, like, I work at a college, and I deal with students on a regular basis that contact me and have no idea what they want to do, and it's very difficult for someone on the other end of that chair to be like, I don't know you, we've never met you, you're giving me very, just basic information, there is no way that I can tell you what to do with your life. You've got to know at least what you're interested in. Like, at least something that you feel like you could do. And then I can, I can guide you from there. But I can't tell you what to do with your life. I think that, getting back to the, to the subject, um, I don't think we're going to, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong on this, but I don't think we're ever going to get to the point where the internet is a necessity. I think that it's going to be something that will make your life easier and better and it will open up features to items. But like if your fridge isn't able to take a picture, it's still functional. You don't need it, really. It is one of those things where you might become reliant on it, but it's not... I don't think it's going to be a necessity Well, I mean, a car, se. a car isn't a necessity, but people yeah. have a right to get a yeah. car. Sorry. So now I want to say something and delve into a slightly different aspect of this topic. You made a joke about the Unabomber. Have any of y'all read the Unabomber Manifesto? Not all of it. I've read snippets. Yeah, I've not read all of it either. I've skimmed through it. It's pretty long. Um, Isn't it like 200 pages? Something like that. And it's... It's erratic. Um, I mean, he's the Him? Unabomber. No. So, I'm gonna... He only went to Harvard, wait, Harvard wait. or Yale? Harvard. Uh, Harvard, yeah. Okay, I thought it was I want to precurse thing. this with, I do not condone the bombing of people randomly. Ever? Ever. Randomly ever. Um, <laughs> Notice that I'm, I'm going on the randomly, but just go, like, go ahead. Uh, Me too on so, that. So, to him, but randomly. his... His points are pretty accurate and strong in some of that. You know, he was very anti-technology because he, he felt... He ran away into a shack. Yes, yes, yes. Now listen to me, though. His whole point was that technology... He felt that technology itself almost enslaved us because it made itself a necessity. And he noticed that as technolo- technology advanced... The faster and faster it necessitized itself. Now, even beyond past his, um, when he was doing all this shit, we think about internet and our phones and stuff. He was in and, TV world. Right. So, but with our phones, how fast did it go from, oh, wow, you have a smartphone? Wow, that's, oh, man, I, I think that's pretty cool. Or like, oh, I haven't seen one of those to, oh, my God, you don't have a smartphone? You're still using a flip phone? Or, oh, you don't have a cell phone? Like, within 10 years, it became only the pretty rich or very tech-minded had a smartphone to now you're expected to have a smartphone, I, I think, to I, I a large degree. I get what you're saying, but I'm going to call bullshit 
people have been predicting the whether it be technology or whatever being the downfall of humanity oh, for so long. I don't so think it's long. the downfall, but I think he had a very strong point of how we become attached to it to the point where we can't envision our lives without it. So I wanted to use that just the transition. Although this is what we're talking about, it started with a different idea from you, Case, and if you want to talk about your little seed that grew into this episode. Well, um, it, first off, I just, I have an iPhone, and I recently upgraded to the new iOS um, um, 11, and there's a little feature in there. Actually, it was one of the, the, one of the things that I missed about my Android phone. When I had an Android phone, there was an app called Agent that did the same exact thing that the iPhone is now doing built into the OS. It uses either your accelerometer. I mean, uh, the iPhone, I think, has a couple different options. It doesn't just use the accelerometer. Um, use the accelerometer, or if your car has Bluetooth, it attaches to the, it, it, when it connects to Bluetooth, your, your phone automatically goes into do not disturb mode. So the text messages don't come through. None of your messages come through, and people in your favorites, you can set it up that they automatically get a text message saying, hey, I'm driving right now. Um, I will talk to you when I, when I get where I'm going. So I really like that feature because I noticed when I had my Android phone that I started to get to the point where at first it, was, it wasn't really a big deal. I, I could very well just ignore my phone when I was driving, but it got to a point where like, if I was stopping in traffic, I would pick up my phone. If I stopped at a stoplight, I would pick up my phone. It, it got to the point where it's getting concerning to me that I was all, like, I just felt the, as soon as I wasn't actually needing to look at the road, I was looking at my phone. And this feature kind of like made me take a break from it. And when I started taking a break from it, I started realizing, like, crap, like, it's so insane that if a message popped up and I had the message come through, I had the immediate urge that I needed to pick up that phone, you know? And this is, like, this is became concerning to me that I felt like I needed to always be attached to this thing. Like, if it buzzed, I had to, I had to see what it was. I had to see. And usually it was, like, it was rarely something important, but I always assumed it was. So it kind of made me think that we have we become too attached to these things, have we become too attached to technology in general? And at what point are we in control to be like, hey, I don't need to look at my phone right now. I don't, I can, I, I have conversations with my coworkers all the time about like, oh, I hate social media. I'm like, you do realize that you control that. You don't have to get on Facebook for hours. You don't have to jump on and constantly be scrolling through stuff. And it's just like, People feel like once they get caught up in it, like once they get Facebook, I have to be on it every day and I have to look at everyone's stuff and I have to comment. No, you control that. And it's weird that people feel like they just lose the, the, the Facebooks or the Twitters take control of you and you all of a sudden no longer have autonomy. Like, I don't understand that mentality that I can't have this thing that could possibly be useful and helpful because it's going to take over my life. And it's like, wait a minute, you're, you can... Pick what you see. You can pick who your friends are. And if you know someone's doing something that is bothersome to you, you can unfriend them or block their content. Like at first, when I first got Facebook, most of it was tech blogs, you know, like uh, Gizmodo and stuff like that, like gadget stuff. It was like news organizations. And I rarely like looked at my friend stuff for the most part, unless it was related to you know stuff I was interested in. So I just thought it was weird that people were like, oh, all these people are putting all this crap on my my wall, my or my uh, feed or whatever, yeah, and block their content. Philip, you don't you don't have a Facebook, right? Do you have any social media? 
Um, I have a, an Instagram that I rarely log into it because I can see my uh, brother's kids and some other family uh, just because I, yeah, I stopped using Facebook about two years ago and it was kind of the same thing. I felt like, uh, you know, every spare time I open up the phone, look at any messages, look at the feed. And I, I think a lot of the problem with what you mentioned, people feel like they see what they have to see. It's surprising how many people use Facebook. Really all they had to know how to do is log in, maybe post a comment. Yeah, they they, they like block themselves. They don't go any further in the settings to like make the change to like hide somebody's feed or to to customize it like you know we might do because we know a bit about a program um they don't do that so they're stuck just sitting there reading yeah, all that garbage <laughs> yeah and zach how long have you had social media how long have i had social media yeah because you've had the internet's been yeah. around since you've been born so i want to say that by the time i was like my mom, like my mom didn't let me have a Facebook, even though I asked to have one because like all my middle school friends did. I wasn't allowed to have one until I was fourteen. Every time you and up, you make me feel goddamn <laughs> ancient, dude. Like I didn't have like regular internet access. I had internet access. I didn't have a regular internet access until I went off to college. Like I had like you know um, internet at home, but it was like it wasn't. I didn't really use it that much. If I had to like do a paper, I still had to go to the library. But, like, you know, I didn't actually have, like, a cell phone until I was, um, you know, like, senior year in high school and then and then college. And how long have you been on social media? Um, social media, I actually got on Facebook because my brother was in the Navy, um, and it was easy, the easiest I'm going to say 2009. Fuck your face. <laughs> am, I, am I right? Um, <laughs> that sounds right. Um, no, because I, I graduated in O. I graduated in 02. My brother graduated in 04. Same so it's probably about well, 06. Facebook wasn't really like a big thing until like 2009. That's like when most people have joined Facebook. Yeah, so basically, you know, like, and honestly, like, you know, my brother then, was in the, yeah. the Navy, and then, and so he graduated in 0, yeah, shoot, he graduated in 04. So it's probably about 08, 09. You're right. You're right. Ha! Yeah, so yeah, you're right. I, <laughs> I had. A live journal and a MySpace before I had Facebook. I remember oh, yeah, when I had Facebook. A live journal. I rarely oh, used it. Okay, well I that's rarely, social. Even 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 MySpace, I rarely used. So live yeah. journal is definitely a precursor, but I would still kind of consider it social media. MySpace, well, that's social media. Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, yeah. I used MySpace like to make crazy a in high school. Basic definition of social media to me: social media is any website where the purpose is interaction or consuming other people's thoughts, pictures, something. Like, right, right. Okay. Just if, if the aspect of the website itself is dependent on interacting between users, I think that's social media. So I was just curious about all that. Um, well, I mean, I will say, though, that I was exposed to social media at a decently young age because younger. when I was... How old was I when MySpace became really big? Like, what? Four. <laughs> MySpace came out in 2000? Um, Maybe. I don't remember when MySpace I, came out. I was in I high think, school, though. I want to yeah. say that, like, MySpace became popular in probably, like, what, 2004, 2005? Yeah, that sounds right. I, I had a... I was babysat by the three sisters that, like, lived across the street from me. Nice. I mean... 
<laughs> they're like my big sisters, all of them. They, they're up north. They're very nice. But they used to have to go to the library to go on to MySpace, and they always talked about it. But then when we got internet at my house, and it wasn't like a, an, a by-the-hour thing, they would just log on to MySpace at my house, and I never really saw them go on it, and they were very careful not to, like, have any of the the things that they, like, that are, that are now MySpace famous, where you had people who were, you know, doing marijuana meetups and organizing parties. Like, if you go back... Damn, from, I miss all the good days of MySpace. <laughs> well, go on to YouTube and just type in news story MySpace, and almost all of them involve, like, some teen that got arrested at school. Oh, for, yeah. You know, I, I remember all that stuff happening. Yeah. So, for me, I actually, it didn't strike me until just now that... I was pretty heavy heavy user of AIM, AOL Instant Messenger, oh, yeah, in yeah. middle school. And when I got a MySpace, it felt to me just like an extension of AIM. I was like, oh, cool. It's like an AIM that's just there, and I can, you know, I have like a more extensive profile. So since, if we're going to count all the way back to AIM... I've been using some kind of feature like that since middle school. MySpace since high school, Facebook once I started. Uh, I grew, I think, maybe a little more heavy and heavy along the years. And we recorded last Wednesday, Kason and I, a short episode, which I think we're going to put up early. Yeah, um, we're put up uh, that tonight. Yeah, so ahead of our, um, our scheduled broadcast. Um, and... The day afterwards, I logged on, and we you had told me you wanted to do this episode, but it was more along the ideas you just discussed, and the next morning, I logged on to Facebook, I saw some shit, I got really pissed off, I yelled at someone online, and then I was like, you know what, and I tried to write a message that was like a, a post, I rarely post on, like as a talking to people. Yeah, Adam you know. rarely posts, but Dirtman posts. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I rarely post, like, actual thoughts on Facebook anymore. Looking through my memories, I used to try and communicate with people. So I tried to do that, and I was like, fuck this, and I felt so irritated, and I was like, I can't communicate on this, and I don't know. I don't really feel quite as strong about that now. I haven't touched social media at all since... Thursday of last week, so about a week now, um, and I've noticed a big difference in my mental, like my thoughts and stuff. I feel myself think about it sometimes. I notice I'm still checking the internet as if I expect to find something there. I just like log on to Google and I'm like, oh, what am I doing? Um, Let's see what's trending right now. And it's shit. And I know there's other ways to get like news information and whatnot, but I'm trying to step away from that. And I find it just as like a detox or whatever and I find it very difficult um I haven't touched it but I've felt that urge and I felt like random things where I just come up with what seemed to me like excuses to be like oh well maybe I should log back on so I could do this it's really interesting I don't, um though I don't think that that's a thing of the internet I no think, I do think it's social media well I don't even think at that point it's social media I think it's a matter of socialization is such a herd mentality and always has been that when you really go back most big cultural things were group experiences like nowadays 
a lot of like people feel more isolated just from a statistical standpoint but like people used to go out and people like think oh yeah we used to go outside and do this yeah but as you're bitching about people staying inside and going on Facebook people used to go outside to go see people like all you're doing is pointing out that the problem isn't the internet or even social media it's just people are obsessed with getting connection from other people like Shakespeare in the park no I agree with you there like Facebook in the park or Facebook in the park Uh, (laughs) oh Facebook uh, in the park would be great that's gonna be a great thing but for instance Shakespeare in the park used to be a thing everywhere people would just go and see like one dude recite Hamlet all day and it was like oh this is fun or whatever and now we just sit at home on our phones watching YouTube videos well I think that it's a a two prong thing for example um, I was talking to a couple of my coworkers um, were talking about how everything is so scary. They're older, you know. They're they're like you know, um, um, they're a lot older than I am, and they're talking about like, oh, this, is, and I'm like, I'm looking at like actual information and statistics, and like it's never been safer. So on the one hand, you have parents that are like, oh, don't that- go outside. Everything you're gonna get kidnapped. You're gonna get ripped. You're gonna get stepped. Like, and and then you look at the actual information. Like, no, like everything, gun crimes. Every crime has gone down so like well, it's safer but we know more about it it's been like it's that since sharing. 94 it's we, the sharing of we the know information more about it. it's, it's yeah. not even so much a sharing of the information it's just like news organizations every time something bad happens it's like the, well i mean it's so readily available yeah i mean like something happens on the other side of the world whereas you know so many years ago we didn't know about you it. Didn't <laughs> have no idea now you instantly know because you can log into the internet and check and it it is fear and media Loves well, yeah, fear. it's like when we walked in, when we were talking before recording, um, a couple other people were here and they were talking the conspiracy about the Las Vegas shooter and stuff. And Which just happened a couple days ago, so if we say any information that seems weird, it's well, because yeah. timelines we're, off. We're, you have time travel to the past. <laughs> um, but what blew my mind beyond all the conspiracy stuff was that I had not heard of any of this, and it seemed like you two... Uh, Kaysen and Zach had definitely at least knew what they were talking well, about. And, I, and that's I, the thing that kind of like shocked me about being up. Uh, I'm, I'm in school this semester and um, I've been taking bigger and bigger breaks from Facebook. And then I come back like this whole Las Vegas thing. I didn't know my girlfriend told me about it because um, she like she's pretty uh, active when it comes to like Facebook and stuff. And I've just been doing homework. So I come on like I or I haven't been on Facebook for a couple days. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, well, yeah, you said like, that about stuff. the protest, too. Yeah, like, I just, like, I come on, I don't know what's, it's so strange to me, because then I feel, like, completely disconnected, because I feel like I'm missing important information. Yeah, I'm not dealing with the bullshit of people being, like, stupid online, but I feel like I'm also missing relevant information. Yeah. So, I have a weird rule, and I'm not sure if other people in here have the same rule, or just remember it. So... For perspective, when the Orlando shooting happened and I kept on seeing every single person posting news article after news article, conspiracy after conspiracy, opinion after opinion, talk about this, talk about that, discussions, blah, 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 I was awake for when that story went a lot, went live on Twitter. So I followed it. Every bit of information from speculation about what was going on when I saw 
uh, Snapchat stories that had been recorded and leaked out onto websites and was later taken down because it was part of the investigation. And it fucking hurt. But I saw everybody posting about it, everybody talking about it, everybody having something to say. So I have this rule where I don't talk politics about this kind of like about mass shootings or large events that result in death for 24 hours. And it's just how I've been. I was like that before then and after that. It's just, it annoys me because one, from just an objective standpoint, not an emotional standpoint, you don't have all you the information. will never have all the information in that one minute after, after the news story breaks. You will never. Never. You can read news articles from the second it gets released to 10 hours into us getting developments, and you will be wrong about half of the shit you're reading. Every time, without fail. There's always a report of another shooter. There's always a report of a a way higher death toll. There's always a report about people saw this happen. There's always a report about, oh, well, this military operation was going on. There's always some bullshit that retrospectively in a week we will forget was even a thing like for the first day of the Orlando shooting everybody was trying to see if he actually said uh Alo Akbar and like all this different stuff there was talk about him actually being a gay man himself and then doing this because he hated himself and wanted to bring pain onto this and like a bunch of other conspiracy bullshit and some of it turned out to be true and some of it turned out to be false and didn't that he he was on Grinder, yes yeah he was yeah. found out to be on Grinder, and he had been at that club multiple yeah. times before and there are bartenders that said that he had flirted with men but here's the thing we have no idea if he was actually gay or if he was doing that to try to get closer to the gay community and possibly had planned out this kind of attack or because that's true like we have no idea because the dude is dead true like there's, there's nothing to be gone doesn't exist anymore so to keep us on track I have another thing that this topic made me think about um today or yesterday I think uh Samsung announced their new with um <clears throat> with Windows what they're calling mixed reality which is like AR a, yeah well, augmented reality they're calling it mixed reality it, it's um, because it's like it's kind of the same thing with like saying VR like uh, or, or for it's, instance, it's augmented it's, it's, yeah. yeah it's augmented well, well, they AR they they insist because uh, I read their statement about it that it is beyond augmented reality hmm. um, in that their goal is to have which does I do understand what y'all are both saying I'm just trying to follow what their logic is um because it sounds exactly like what I imagined advanced augmented reality to be, but it would be beyond that because um, their goal is to like incorporate real objects into the virtual world, virtual objects into the real world, um, blah blah blah. Anyways, yeah, that's so yeah, yeah. Um, 
And that was that's cool. Um, I recently, when evacuated for the hurricane Irma, went up to Tennessee and got to spend some time with a good friend who's way techier than I and had an Oculus Rift um, and was playing with that and got to do that at the, during the hurricane. Yeah, yeah. And before got to the, do before all, the power ran out. All this cool stuff, um, including one of the greatest experiences of my life using Google Tilt Brush. Um, yeah. I got to paint spontaneously in three dimensions in a virtual world and then have my friends walk around it, pick it up, spin it around. It's an amazing experience. Yeah, I mean, it's everything I want out of art, honestly, except yeah. the touch. The only thing that's bad about it is, as of now, I can't feel the reaction of the space that I'm well, painting. The cool thing with that is there are some artists that have used... Because it's open source. Like, you just oh, need yeah, the yeah. headset. You can spend $400, which sounds like a lot, but in the art world, that's like... What? <laughs> yeah, that's not like, a lot. What is that? Like, one cheap tablet that you can draw on to use like a in Wacom, Photoshop? Yeah. 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 So, Wacom is amazing. It's really not that much money, but people, or artists specifically, have been using it, those who are sculptors, to, like, sculpt out, like, the kind of... Uh, sculptures you see where like one angle it says yes another it says no or like different sculptures like that and just kind of have it planned out and right. not not have to worry about trying to convey something with it and then just fucking it up right right so so yeah um, I loved it loved it a whole lot um, that being said and I've also with that same friend before we've wrote down some ideas for like augmented reality apps or games that we're like so the technology is obviously not here yet but we have this idea and like brainstormed it together and come up with some cool concepts that maybe in a few years he'll be able to implement um i'll never <laughs> whatever um but then it also made me think when i saw that today of this old video like maybe two years ago i can't remember who put it out um but it's like a projection of what the future will be like in a hundred years or 50 or whatever they want to say. And it's this augmented reality future where it appears that people have some kind of augmented like lenses, like contacts or something. But the picture they show, there's some cool stuff like walkways being lit up um, for the user, things like that, speed limits being shown, um, all sorts of random stuff. But then in this, which is supposed to be positive, they're also, it's the busiest shit. It looks like a collage of... Advertisements. Advertisements in Las Vegas style. Bing, 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 bing. Bing, 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 And I was like, oh my God, I do not want to live in that world. I like the idea of augmented reality to a large degree, but fuck, we have got to fix the way the internet is presented to us before it becomes so ingrained have, in life in the past three years have you seen any clips from any major sporting events like anything whether it be like a, yeah a couple very few but yeah are you talking about like the projections on the fields and stuff like that not even just projections onto the field you know the advertisements you see all those are done live they're not actually there none of them uh fifa uh the well a bunch of the soccer ones but fifa was notorious for this because people didn't believe them. They had to prove it, kind of. I don't think they had to actually prove it, but it was like someone had someone made a video proving how it worked because there was a couple of times where soccer players were running too fast and then they knocked 
over this thing and the ad stayed on it. And then people saw that in pictures, that was just that was just like a gray little table tent looking thing that was just on the field that they had projected something on. And people were like, where are all the ads on the field? Ah, uh, Bula. And yes, uh, baseball does it. Like if you've ever seen, you've ever been to Tropicana Field if you're in Tampa Bay area. I went to my first game at Tropicana Field just two days ago. If you look on the field, there's not that many advertisements at no, all. No, there wasn't. Yeah, they're they're up on the uh, on the upper floors. They yeah. have like their billboards and stuff that's there. But on the field, if you watch a, a Rays game at Tropicana Field, you'll see that there's a bunch of advertisements behind the catcher that don't exist on the actual field. They took them down because it's convenient now. Yeah, but if I go out to, like, if that's the world that developed and I'm 60 years old and I go out and I'm hiking this nature trail and I see a pop-up ad for something, I'm a punch a bald eagle. I'm going to snap. But, I mean, to to relate to something pop culture that's something that's kind of explored a little bit in Black Mirror. Oh, yeah. Black Mirror's an amazing show. Yeah. um, Everyone should watch that show. That was the first episode, was it? No. The first episode episode is a pig fucker. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, it's the episode fucker. where it's like I think it's called a thousand credits yes. or something. Oh, yeah, that's like a million, a million, three million. That's, yeah, that's yeah. the second episode, and it's bike. like my favorite episode. Yeah, where he rides a bike. All those oh. ads and stuff. That's kind of like we talked about that in capitalist realism. Yeah, <laughs> that kind of explores that a little bit, but. Yeah, that was a I, terrible world. I get what yes. you're saying, but that'll never happen because communism is going to win in the next 20 years. So <laughs> we don't have to worry about that. In the next 20 years, all right. Yeah, cool. yeah, I'm predicting it. And now. so, Philip, what? What would a nationalizing internet service look like? (laughs) What would nationalizing it look like? Yeah. I think that, honestly, uh, because the topic's been brought up of rural uh, being so difficult to um, uh, just uh, bring the internet to all those locations and be high speed, I think wireless is going to have to be an option in certain situations. You're not going to have fiber to the home all the way up and somebody that's living in a cabin but wireless is already available i mean one of the towns that i used to live in was actually fairly fast internet and it was done through a tower and it transmitted down to a modem and it was uh it was actually decent speeds and i lived kind of out in the middle of nowhere uh didn't al gore present something like that like a decade ago like an idea like a public works internet or public works wireless internet? I, I believe so. And, and I actually did some research on like um, access points and grids within a city. And because they've tried it in a few different cities where they've put up the access points and they uh, would put them up on like utility poles on the side of buildings. And what they do is they talk to each other and they just kind of uh, piggyback off. So you don't have to run a wire to each one. Oh, yeah. You just have to power it. And it They're kind of like cell towers. They all work together to make a bigger signal. Yeah, it's just like a web. Okay. Yeah. So during the hurricane, Hurricane Irma, when we were all evacuated, I think all, maybe not all, but a lot of companies, providers, put their public hotspots, um, whatever they call them. Yeah, hotspots. Hotspots yeah. as public um, and for free without password and stuff like that. Would... Would that be what it looked like then? Like just well, not as a special well, thing, well, or would it? Like I'm not sure how that would. I mean, I know those are when, those are hard connected. Yeah, those oh, are hard okay. okay. When, I, when we had our, our studio, um, 
when we had our photo studio, when we got internet connected to it, they gave us two two modems. One of them, or two routers, so one of them was for us, and the other one was just a free Wi-Fi route. They just it broadcasted for free internet. So if anyone came to our studio, we didn't have to give them our password. You could just hop on the free internet and, and use it. So I think that that's how like some of those companies do it, is they just uh, piggyback it on their business internet. I'm not sure if you've that's correct. That's exactly what happens. They install an extra modem and then a, a commercial grade access point. They connect it so it doesn't interfere with your internet. Yeah. But that's how they, that's where you see the, the major cable company uh, wireless internet pop up. They uh, just install them complementary along with business internet. Interesting. Hmm. So yeah. do you, I mean, obviously, I know you don't have. Uh, experience with this particular thing that I'm asking but like do you think that is that is that a viable thing like um, public internet spots like that um, in mass I I believe so Um, honestly I personally think that uh, I would like to see it a basic utility that's provided to everyone yeah my only fears are you know making sure that that's regulated because with things like net neutrality and you know those hot topics you know you want to make sure that it's um, it's not restricted. Yeah, and well, we're I mean, all getting the same we, access. Yeah, yes. we didn't yeah. run into that problem with electricity. Is the thing, and that that was that's way easier to do. Yeah, like in order to actually have like to mess. I mean, I, I'm very much for net neutrality and wanting just doesn't matter if I'm going on to YouTube or if I'm going on to some random person's blog, should be just as fast no matter what. But I mean, companies are already being caught throttling stuff anyway. But one thing I did want to bring up is there is. A bit of a fear I have for moving forward with the broadband internet for all, or at least for most of America, and expanding the infrastructure. And it's there is some rumors and investigation in a journalistic sense into a couple of the promises of the current administration, um, where. Part of the infrastructure plan that Trump did bring up did involve internet access. He he says in a couple of his speeches, bringing broadband internet to more than just the big cities is like a talking point he had for a minute. And he's actually, he brought it up as close as about a month ago from recording, so sometime in September. And there's rumors that the government may redefine what broadband speeds are so that it would be easier to achieve that goal. So they can get a win. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a fear I have because... Sounds shady. It allows... I mean, I don't care who would be doing it, but it allows for someone to say, oh, well, we already did that. And then there's no progress forward to actually bring people up to speeds because if they change the definition to what is being talked about, which is about equivalent to 4G speeds, 87%, 90% of the country already has that pretty much where you can just access 4G internet. Right. And that's if you, to, to add a caveat to that, that's if you take like the AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, and Sprint, 4G maps and just stick them on top of each other. That's how you get that 90-ish percent. Oh, okay. But that's technically technically true, though. Like, whether it be, like, for instance, if we're talking about, you know, Comcast versus Time Warner, uh, let's bring up Tampa, for instance. If, you know, if we're saying 99% of Tampa or 
whatever has access to broadband internet. We'd be right, but only 30% of that is accessed uh, to you know Verizon because their network only goes to certain spaces, but we're also counting them too. So if they're yeah. the only provider for somebody, that still counts. But for me, I think a big thing that I would like to see is another push for infrastructure, giving people jobs, just digging and laying lines and pushing forward this broadband movement because it would allow for kids to get better educations regardless of their race or where they lived, whether it's in the boondocks and straight nowhere or if they're in the middle of the inner city and it's just difficult to get strong connections to them, whether it be... You know, a poor kid or a rich kid, they should have the same exact access to educational websites or just fucking YouTube just to, like, see what they might like. Learn what they might, you know, they yeah. learn so much stuff. Just to watch YouTube. stupid Minecraft videos yeah. all day and just have some yeah. enjoyment with their lives. That's something I want. And I also want, whether it be people who are older, to have access to family they don't have the money to see or just don't have the ability to see. And I feel like that would also spread out um, some of these companies that build these smart devices. I think that it would also help. I mean, I'm not sure. They don't need help, but it's also a profitability drive. Like, hey, now we have access to more homes and then we can put out more of these products and more people will buy them. So I feel like it's a win-win in most situations. Jobs, there's going to be more people able to consume, which would be a boon to them. Yeah, I mean, it also, and when you think about it, like, people talk about how, oh, just go out and get a job. Just go knock on doors and get a job. My current job at my the restaurant I work at, a friend of mine on Facebook posted something saying that, hey, we need bussers. If I didn't see that, I wouldn't have thought to go knock on their door right, because I had right. already talked with somebody who worked there a couple months beforehand, and they didn't have room for anybody. Right. I guess how many some, jobs you have to apply online? They don't even have paper. Yeah, there's a reason that <laughs> an interesting thing I found out when I was looking for my first job is... Every major grocery store and I want to say even every major big box store, all of them have little kiosks that have like a cheap little Windows XP machine that allows you to apply. But we're kind of getting to the, the end of this. We can, you know, kind of talk circles on this, but let us know what you guys think about, you know, or do we have any final thoughts before we wrap this up? We have, um, we have an expert in here. <laughs> yeah, Phil, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, no, just, you know, just to reiterate uh, my ideas uh, as far as I think that, you know, as a society, we've become incredibly dependent on Internet, and uh, I don't think that it's going to go away. Um, and I think people really need to embrace the change that, uh, you know, things are done with the Internet and it's just going to progress more and more and it's going to be more and more ingrained into our lives. I think that's true. I'm not... I am I am a proponent of the internet. I just have some reservations and I think they're more to do with the utilization. Um, and I think Zach's convinced me we'll definitely include full broadband on the new green deal that will deliver us <laughs> to full socialism. Yeah. Kaysen? Um, I think that when it comes to the use of social media and the use of the internet in general, I, I feel like it's down to it's 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 not going to go anywhere, and I feel like it's it has the potential to make a lot of people's lives better. Um, 
and I just think that when it comes to stuff like social media, it's a self-control issue. <laughs> so yeah. you, you got to just retrain yourself to be more disciplined, but that's just, you know, I can only speak for myself. But um, I think the possibilities are, are endless for the amount of good it could do for people. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I'll, I'll finalize in saying is that I believe as we reach closer and closer to the necessity of the internet, its use as a utility becomes more and more of a discussion that we need to seriously have and not just bring up when it comes to infrastructure talk, but just when it comes to, you know, cultural rights in a sense. I have one more thing also. YouTube can be a really great resource for lots of stuff beyond the ridiculous and silly Beyond even, like, instruction manuals and how-to, which is, I think, how a lot of older people use it. Um, I used to try to fix my car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been watching fucking college lectures on it. I've been... I've finished uh, David Harvey's lectures on Marxist Capital. I've been watching um, math stuff, and I'm terrible at math, and I've been having a better understanding of some at least abstract high math concepts. Um, I can't do the functions, but I can explain what they mean, and you know, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, It is all a resource depending how you utilize it. Yeah. Well, I'm Zach. I'm Adam. And I'm Kaysen, our guest. And I'm PJ. Or Philip. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we can talk about it. We'll see you guys um, next time. Yep. We'll talk about this another time.